Hello everyone, my name is Taylor. And I'm Kelly. And we are the co-hosts of Jumping Bomb Audio, the podcast all about Joshi Pro Wrestling here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Every other Monday, we are with you talking about the biggest news in Joshi, along with show reviews, previews, and much, much more. So if you're new to Joshi or you've been a longtime fan, this is the show for you. We've got something for everyone here. So check us out, Jumping Bomb Audio. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome to the Super J Cast. I'm Joel, joined by David McDonald. It is Sunday the 22nd of January 2023. This is episode 243. I've got Manny in the background doing some ironing, so that's exciting. That's a new addition to the podcast. Um, could, could be charging extra of that if we had the Patreon. And Damon, how's, how's it going? How are you? <laughs> you get you live in the live over there. Uh, yeah, is she? Uh, I, I'm not a good ironer. I don't think I'm, I, I'm good at the ironing. I feel like it's it winds up not looking as good as it could. Um, I wonder if she has any good tips. Are you a good she ironer? She is superwoman. I, I don't. I, she does everything. She, I mean, the fact that she does all of this and takes care of the house and looks after both the kids, and we don't have a nanny anymore. We haven't had one for months. Is This woman deserves a medal. Yeah. So. Respect to you, man. She can't hear me. She's got her headphones on because she's watching Thai TV. But uh, yeah, it's a bit busy evening here in the house. Uh, got uh, Arsenal versus Man United to look forward to in about an hour and 20 minutes. And uh, tomorrow, I'm off for the week. I'm going on oh. a, a residential trip with my class. Nice. So I was wondering when we were going to record, actually, before you proposed doing it today. I was like, shit, am I going to have to bring my, my mic to the hotel and you know, risk the, the students next door? Hey, what? Who's, who's Mr. Joel talking to? <laughs> I mean, and what is he saying? What, what is this nonsense? Uh, yeah, no, it, yeah, it would be a very clean episode of the Jcast if I had to do that. I would not do yeah, any swearings. No doubt. It'd be 15 minutes long, then. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, uh, that sounds really nice. I need a week off. I, I, you know, I, I have, uh, you know, they have the, the stigma of, um, and rightfully so, in in many cases, um, you know, pay time off in the United States is, yeah, you know, probably less than most other countries. Um, but I've found ways to negotiate <laughs> more vacation time than than maybe someone in my time has been able to accrue. Um, and Cheryl has been at the same job for like 25 years. <laughs> Unbelievable. I find that, I find that to be, I, I tell her that all the time. I'm like, I'm, I'm amazed 
that you have done that. Like that should be something to be proud of. And she's like, is it really? I was like, yeah, yeah I think it is. Um, anyway, I have a hundred and four hours, I think, of vacation time I have. I got to start using some of this shit. Um, what, what better way to use that, David, than by watching all the episodes of New Japan Strong back to back? You know what? That's a great idea for a company that's who knows what's happening with it. Um, no, I don't think I'll do that. I, what I can see me doing is uh, I would I, I know we talked about this, but we got to do that rewatch of The Sopranos, man. We got we to do that. That's what we got to do. Yes, I, d- I did one recently. I was listening to the uh, Pod Yourself a Gun podcast accompaniment to that. And also the the official Sopranos one with uh, the, the two actors on it. The, yeah. I, uh, I subscribed to that. Actor, let see, yeah, let me see if I have it. Yeah, it starts off really good, but then it, it very quickly goes off a cliff. Oh, no, right. And so I learned a lot from listening to that, thinking, okay, this is what I should not do <laughs> on a podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, what is it? Let me see. Let me see. I'll right, do this. Grab your phone. And I want to know what you, it's talking Sopranos, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I have that one. Uh, I'm going to just get, grab you. Tell me what your podcasts are. All of them. Christ, oh, do you have a lot? lot? Yeah. I, I could pick out a few highlights. Yeah, one of yeah. my favorite ones. Please. Give a shout out to you. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, do, do you remember um, me talking to you a couple of years ago, like when we were in peak pandemic about me, you know, obviously during the pandemic, we had a lot of free time on our hands. I was living in the hotel and a lot of people ended up sort of dipping into sort of weird TV shows, nostalgia stuff to sort of cope with the, the trauma of the situation. And did, I'm sure I talked to you about me dipping into the UK TV show Robot Wars. Do you remember yes. that? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Which I've watched as a kid and I decided to rewatch that and, and had a great time rewatching the entirety of the UK Robot Wars series. And one of my favourite ones was this one called Killatron, which was uh, basically like a... a a dustbin lid, a wheelie bin lid painted pink with a giant pickaxe. So that was one of my favorites. Very iconic. It wasn't very good. It was rubbish. But um, I found out recently that the son of the person who made Kinetron is none other than the first podcast I'm going to shout out, uh, Abroad in Japan. No Chris way! Because his dad, his dad made Kinetron. Yeah. Shut up. Really? Chris Abroad yeah. dad made that robot? That Yes. Yeah. Oh, come on. Really? And he spoke about it on his recent episode. I don't know if you're subscribed to the Abroad in Japan podcast, but Cheryl that does. is one. Yeah, Cheryl does. Yep. Oh, that's, that's uh, yeah, that's I, I watch the uh the YouTube uh show things that he does. So I I do watch that. I do know I and I listen, and if you don't follow him or listen in any capacity, I, I reckon I think he's really great. I think he's really good. I think the whole thing is great. So okay, that's a good one. What else? Okay, uh, I have got uh, Arsblog, Arsenal podcast, Arsenal Vision <laughs> podcast. Uh, <laughs> Arsblog, yeah, he's the, he's the number one Arsenal podcast. So he's, he's amazing. Okay, uh, I have Behind the Bastards. That's a really good one. That sort of delves into various uh, unsavory characters, like, you know, like modern day or historical people who are just generally bad shits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's good. There's an episode recently on Andrew Tate that was really interesting. Uh, bonfire side chat for anyone who's into the sort of Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Elder Ring games. Uh, Gary and Cole, they're they're brilliant. They do loads of sort of game related and non game related content. They just started a uh, Breaking Bad podcast accompaniment to that, so that's brilliant. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, FML FPL for anyone who does a fantasy Premier League. That was very good. Football Weekly. 
uh, Grand Sumo Breakdown for any sumo wow. fans. Uh, How to Survive. They do podcasts about horror movies. They're very funny. Uh, Jim Quisition, uh, James Stephanie Sterling's video game podcast. That's really good. Uh, occasionally, the Lapsed Fan, if it's a topic that interests me. They're in the middle of a run about the uh, TNA Hogan years, which is a lot of fun to listen to. Quickly, Kevin, will he score? That's like a sort of 90s UK football nostalgia podcast. That's very funny. Uh, now, do you listen to them or, like, for instance, do you don't have a backlog of shows? You, you, you consistently listen to them? Uh, my backlog is 127 hours <laughs> okay. long. So, okay, yeah, good. All right, so back. I don't feel as bad. Okay, good. <laughs> because right, I'm like I feel like I don't have any discipline when it comes to that like sometimes I'll listen I'll go like on a complete binge and then other times it'll be like weeks before I li- listen okay alright alright mine's yeah, mostly I, I, always podcasting like wherever I go whatever I do I've got a, a cheeky uh, bluetooth earbud in so do you okay helps the hours pass yeah I don't really leave the house, so. <laughs> but I, I tell you what, one of the greatest things I own are uh, AirPods. I, I, I think they're amazingly great. Um, it's a game changer, aren't they? Really are. I can't. I cannot believe the, the noise canceling. I love. I love the feeling of when it like sucks your brain out. <laughs> yes, I yes, love that. So I gotta, and I like. And now I am now in the zone. I am now <laughs> like I've entered the music world. Um, that's it every time I'm dealing with a screaming Arthur I just pop the noise cancelling headphones on and yeah he's not my problem anymore <laughs> yep that dumb dog next door ah like, yeah he's like bye bye stupid um mine are a, a lot of hockey ones so 32 thoughts is uh from Sportsnet Canada who uh Jeff Merrick does it and Jeff Merrick uh, if if that name sounds a little bit familiar he worked a ton with wrestling stuff for with those post guys um so like you know WH Park and and John Pollock and all those guys um they all you know he worked with them before he got into this so I was I remember talking to WH Park about it and he was like, yeah, yeah, I know, we know Jeff. I was, oh, my God. How cool is that? <laughs> um, and then the D side is a uh, Duran Duran podcast. Um, Evolving Hockey podcast is a more like hockey analytics stuff. Um, I scratch It's the Goodfellas Minute. Um, and what they do is, is they take a minute from Goodfellas and they go in order, right? But they just do a minute at a time and they dissect that minute of film. And it is, you, you, I mean, you learn why a font was used in a credit or why this song was and what that song meant and why, you know, just, and it's like, they'll go 20 minutes, 30 minutes over one minute of film. It's really, really good. Um, and then it's like Maple Leaf stuff. Uh, Talking Sopranos, we just talked about. Uh, this Naked Mind podcast is a uh, sobriety podcast, which I find uh, just getting, getting into that sounds really good. And uh, then I do like I have like a, a Google Ads podcast, paid search podcast. I think these two guys do very good, and they break down stuff that's uh, maybe a little complex. They break it down really well. And I don't know, like when you do something for years and it's like, 
oh, I think I know everything. And then they show you something. And it's like, oh, fuck, I didn't know that. Well, okay, good. Like th- those are the things I really dig. So, uh, all right, th- that's podcast talk from uh, <laughs> John Damon. It's <laughs> good stuff. It's a good segment. I always, I'm always interested to listen to what other people are listening to and just little things like what YouTube channels people are subscribed to mm-hmm. and things like that. Because the way I sort of consume media is just, it. you know, the days of sort of turning on the TV and flicking the channels and seeing what's on, they are, they're, they're dead to me those days. I've yeah. got to be very precise about what, what I'm listening to and what I'm watching because I don't have a lot of free time in the day. So it's got to be top tier. Yeah. And, 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 and hyper-focused on what you like. And that's the amazing thing. I mean, like once again, we do a we do a podcast about New Japan Pro Wrestling, right? But as as weird as that sounds to say out loud, like there are topics that it's it, it's out there, you know. And that's what I really enjoy about the internet. Like that to me, I've, I've said it a million times. It is a wonderful learning tool. Like I could learn a computer programming language, you know, starting as soon as I hang up here. Um, I could learn whatever, whatever I want to learn, a, a language, you know, uh, I, you know, whatever. And, or, you know, if I want to learn how to paint miniature figures or I don't know, like, it's just an amazing thing as a communication tool. I fucking hate it, but as a learning tool, oh my God, it's, it's literally, we are living in the, the greatest time to expand your knowledge. And you may not agree with everything, but like the idea that all this information is available to you at your fucking fingertips. <laughs> Again, like how many times have you been like, oh, what was the name of that fucking TV show from blah, blah, blah. And you Google it and it's like, boop, first thing. And you're like, oh, that's it. Yes. And now, and now you're in a, I, I couldn't imagine doing that 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Holy yeah, we, fuck. We've lost that sort of feeling of not knowing something and we're like, oh, what was it? Oh, that, that's kind of gone now, isn't it? Like any song, you could use Shazam to play it and figure out what it was. Like you know, they very rarely have those sort of white whale moments of, you know, whether it's facts or songs or movies or games or whatever it is that you could kind of half remember. Just everything is right there. But uh, it's, it's funny you mentioned that about learning something. There's a tweet here I'm going to read out. This is at Southern's Gothic which reads, I don't listen to podcasts to learn something beneficial. In fact, I'm actively against bettering myself. I listen to podcasts to hear two complete freaks who are over-familiar with each other spout nonsense for 50 minutes and then in time to adopt their speech patterns myself. So <laughs> welcome to the Super J cast, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. <laughs> that really is, uh, that, that is true. That is absolutely true. Yeah, wow, that's it. Okay, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Um all right, but yes, I I do find that to be amazing, and I just think of like, all right, so like, okay, you you're growing up in the '90s, and I'm growing up in the '80s, and um, so like all the thoughts that you had when like you were a kid, like, oh, how did this work, or why didn't I do this, or or what, how do I throw a curveball, or <laughs> or just whatever, you know, um. Like, but there was thought recording pop songs off the radio. <laughs> right, right. But and just trying to stop it before the DJ starts talking over it. I know. Well, they did that on purpose because they never want you to do that. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, it, but like all those thoughts of, uh, or like just simple as that. Like, oh, how do I get on the radio? And how do I blah 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 blah? And you have no idea. Like, it's just you just don't know. And 
like all those things of, oh, I wish I could do this or how do I do this? And then they just come and go because you didn't have anything to, I mean, you go to a fucking library, but it, those books for, were from the 1950s for Christ's sake. Um, just like pro wrestling, right? Okay. So back in the day, it's like, if you didn't trade tapes, your only source of learning about other wrestling is, you know, like pro wrestling illustrated. And then, you know, the observer came along and all that, but like you, you, if you, you had to know somebody in Memphis to, to get Memphis tapes or, you know, knew somebody that, tape trade and then how do you find the people who trade tapes you know it's just it was just a like how did we do anything back then like maps remember having maps in your car <laughs> like yeah, these just like the experience of going on holiday just completely changed but having things like TripAdvisor and google maps yes you know they used to like when i went on holiday with my parents you got the you know the a to z out and navigating the roads and oh Shit, you're going to go down this road. Where are we? Oh, we lost. Oh, I don't know where to go. Right. Those days are over. Right. The idea of getting lost is is no more. It's amazing. Just that kind of dumb shit fascinates me. Like, how did we fucking survive beforehand? I mean, it's just, I, but we did, obviously. But yeah, just amazing. It's a, it's, it's an amazing tool. And, and again, the fact that you have it in your pocket. Like in my pocket, I can lock my my doors. I can turn on my car. I can listen to music. I can take a great picture. I can watch pornography. <laughs> I have so much pornography available to me in my pocket. Just unbelievable. Where back in the day, if you found a fucking nudie magazine, it was like you found a bar of gold, a porno tape. Holy shit. You might as well just be Bill Gates. Jesus Christ. You're the most popular kid in school. <laughs> I, mean, I remember bringing a, a, a porno mag to a school trip I was on when I was in year seven. God, how old would I have been then? About like 13 years old. And that was that was the event of the year. Right. <laughs> still being funny about that. No joke. You look back on that, you're just like, oh, I was I was king for a day. I was king for a fucking day. Yeah, it was like you're a drug dealer. It was like somebody was going, hey, dude, you got the fucking porno? Yeah. Well, uh, well actually, Wilts has got it right now. Uh, all right, well, he's done. Can I get it next? Uh, yep, yeah, let me get you on a list. All right, John Johnson, Angel <laughs> Level sure Three. I've, I've talked to maybe on this podcast about my the, the porno VHS that I managed to obtain around the same time that I, I, the label I stuck over it was I wrote WWF SmackDown and Raw. It's like no one's watching that. <laughs> Mum and Dad aren't taking that. Thinking, yeah, let's 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 see what's going on with my was WrestleMania Three. title run. Mine was WrestleMania Three. WrestleMania Three was one of them. And uh, well, oh, no, you got to be careful because that's a good WrestleMania. They might think, oh yeah, I've heard, nobody's going to watch WrestleMania, WrestleMania Three. My no, nobody was watching that, right? So WrestleMania Three, and then. Um, Oh, what was the other one? It was, I, I want to say it was like music or some shit like that or, you know, something. Yeah. It was, no, but again, nobody's going to watch it. But yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that was, <laughs> so, that was for the days. I'm telling you to have a porno tape at school and uh, people knowing that you had it. It was unbelievable. And, and it was just, again, finding it was just like, it was like fucking finding, uh, you know, the Temple of Doom or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> you know? And to bring this full circle, I actually managed to find one of the the pieces oh, of content no. on that porno VHS on X Hamster. No. You knew and what it was called? Like, yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> German. It had a name. Um, and uh, yeah, there's nothing quite like finding nostalgia porn. 
Yeah, I think all those memories flooding back. I, I <laughs> flooding back to your cock. Um, it's I can't. I couldn't even tell you one. I mean, I know stars. Like I know certain individuals that I thought were hot um, back in the day. But like, like the name. Like there's one porno. And it was like a gonzo film. It was like, you know, just assorted clips that we had, right? And this is it just had to be like fucking 89, 90, maybe, right? And uh <laughs> I just remember this fucking girl just getting obliterated by multiple gentlemen. Uh and you know, she's got one in each hand and blah blah blah. And she just says, <laughs> she I love it. I fucking love it. And we do this in the house. That Cheryl's never seen this porno, but she'll just be like, I love it. Hey, what do you think of that fucking sandwich? I fucking love it. <laughs> but I would do anything to find this clip to validate that it's real. Um, and, but like, I couldn't, what am I going to type in? I love it porn. You know how many results I'm going to get? It's crazy. But I just remember that scene. She was like this blonde, like this dyed blonde. Uh, she kind of looked like oh, I couldn't even tell you. Uh, I kind of like Courtney Love a little. <laughs> actually, I love. I just remember the voice. I love it. Fuck, and she's all bon- like spaced out and fucking probably has more drugs in her than. Oh, I don't know, Keith Richards. I'll I'll pick, and then uh, yeah, yeah, it was fucking. Just a magical time. All right. Well, we've killed 20 minutes, Joel. Listeners, if you, if you can help us locate that piece of pornography for Damon, then write in. Yeah, it was uh, a girl. I, I, also, what? Yeah, go on. I, I just, a girl, she looked like Courtney Love. Uh, it was uh, a multiracial uh, scene. Uh, she was white. There were a couple of black guys or a couple of white guys. There had to be at least six guys. Uh, and she was wearing like black I want to say it's not really lingerie, but it was like, I don't know. Uh, and yeah. And just, she just kept saying, I love it. She, that's all I remember her saying. So if you can find this internet, I will pay. I don't know what I'll pay, but I'll, uh, you will be, you will be uh, in the super JKS defunct hall of fame. I guarantee it. <laughs> I swear to God. Well, uh, listeners, what you will not get paid for is uh, my next request, which is for anyone who's good at graphic design to do some graphics for Twitter for our year-end awards. Oh, yeah. Because uh, our usual guy, the wonderful Ben Hallahan, who's done it for us in previous years, is not able to do it this year. Uh, so if anyone can do it for us for free, just to reiterate, I'm not paying for it. We do this podcast for free. So if you're a listener, then you have got... How many fucking episodes? 243 free pieces of content from us. So I think it's a reasonable request to ask this is free or should, should we be paying people for their labor? Well, I mean, listen, I, I will throw you a couple bucks. How about that? I'll Venmo you something or PayPal, whatever you enjoy, whatever. Uh, I don't have cash app because that just seems filthy to me. Um, I'll send you a link to the German porn X hamster video. There you go. That's now that's an exclusive. <laughs> send me that. <laughs> I don't. All right. Now, uh, now let's get. I'm sorry. Now you know. I'm going to say. It. I don't really like. Uh, I like. I like my porn girls to be. <laughs> Southern Damon, California. Let's not circle back to the porn. All right, all right, you're probably right. We we got out of the hole. Now we're now we're falling back in. All right, let's go. Let's. No, I worked so hard on that segue. You fucked it up. I no, did. No, we got to talk about porn for another. No, we don't. 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 We got New Japan Pro Wrestling to talk about. 
All right, uh, let's talk about Wrestle Kingdom 17 in Yokohama Arena. So, uh, first of all, this is a show that took place uh, on the 21st. Who fucking cares when it was? No one, no one's listening to the date. Uh, attendance, right. 5,533. That's down from last year significantly. It's down about 1,500 from last mm. year. So factors to consider here. Last year it had a much longer build because they announced it uh, towards the tail end of the year. So several months where this time it was only a few weeks. Also, it was this year the second Yokohama show. So there was a, obviously the Yokohama show today following it, the, the final great Muta match. So running Yokohama back to back. And look, I'm going to say it. Last year uh, we had Keiji Muto on the show. This year, no Keiji Muto. So, love him or hate him, you have to acknowledge that the man is a draw. Um, and, you know, maybe just sort of based on the crowd reactions, it kind of sounded like the Noah fans didn't really show up in full voice for this one. So, few factors there, but uh, not not the greatest number. I mean, it's still pretty good, don't get me wrong. Getting 5,500 fans in for a wrestling event is nothing to be sniffed at. But, uh, yeah, down from last year, and it's important to acknowledge that. Well, I mean, not for nothing. If you were a Noah fan, would you buy a ticket to that? Knowing full well, like, like you know, you, you're going there to watch your guys fucking look at lights for the most part. And while you had some people get some wins, um, I mean, you, you knew kind of going in that you were playing second fiddle a little bit. Now, super thrilled to to uh, know that it's not really a one off. Um, from the way things look, which is good. If again, if you're a Noah fan, and I, th- I think, and again, I don't want to uh, get too deep into the pool yet, but I, th- I think if I were a Noah fan, I would be exci- I would finally be excited for what might be to come. Right? I feel like I'm walking out of that event thinking, "Holy shit! Okay, we uh, we didn't look that bad." We looked pretty good and I'd be happy with that. Like I'd be happy knowing that because this could have been very, I mean, we talked about it for weeks. This could have very well been, well, we're getting our asses whipped and that's that. (laughs) And then we go about our businesses, Uh, but it doesn't look to be that way, which is exciting. Yeah. I suppose my big question about Noah is after Muto has gone, what is left? You know, what is the drawing power of a guy like Nakajima or Keno or Kiyomiya without having Keiji Muto to, I'd say prop it up, but also, I mean, he had a, I, I think he's had a detrimental effect to the, the, um, I say the, yeah, I'd say the drawing power of those guys because, you know, they've been sort of booked in his shadow. And I realize they're sort of turning that around now, but I suppose uh, we do have sort of one big plus that we're going to talk about in terms of uh, Noah future stars and current stars, but uh, let's get into the show then. So yeah. we started off uh, the pre-show match number one was Kosei Fujita and Ryohei Oiwa defeating Taishi Ozawa and Yasutaka Yano in 12 minutes. So uh, Fujita, despite being recruited to TMDK, he's still in his young line gear. Uh, I was really impressed with Yano here. He was really good, you know, smoothly chaining together his offense. And I say it all the time, I mean, Oiwa and Fujita, they're ready to go right to the main roster. I mean, I'm not saying that New Japan are about to pull the trigger on them, but they've got all the tools, no visible weaknesses. They look fantastic. They've got, you know, the snap, snap, crack and pop I love to talk about. I'm excited about both of them. And it was a pretty dominant win here. Uh, I speculate that there might be some tension between Oiwa and Fujita because, uh, of course, Fujita getting recruited to TMDK and Oiwa not. He's still... uh, Hontai Young Lion? I don't know. The Young Lions are unaffiliated, but they did sort of play into that uh, tension 
on today's show, the New Beginning Show in Aguero, but no sign of it here at Wrestle Kingdom. Their uh, hatred for Noah, all things pro wrestling, united them and they, they got over that beef. So uh, there was a very tasty little slap exchange between Fujita and Yano at the end. And yeah, like you mentioned, if we are in this partnership for the long term, then that will be a very intriguing potential long-term rivalry. Both those both those teams are in the same spot, you know, when it comes to a, you know, needing to prove something to someone that they can go deeper in that profession, right? Um, so if there is a, uh, again, I don't want to use the term partnership, but if there are more shows in, on the horizon, I like the idea of, you know, not only are our young lions fighting within the you know young lion system, but now we have new fresh blood uh, that we can see and maybe be a fan of and maybe follow along with, um, just based off of you know two teams being young and hungry and and wanting to make their mark. I, you know the same thing that that New Japan does within its own system. So I just think it makes it. I don't know. It kind of it's kind of like you know practice where you are playing against your teammates and it's okay, it's fun and, and it's competitive and blah blah blah, but then you get to take that to an opposing team. And that's the kind of feeling I got from this, right? This was like taking like like we're playing uh, against another opponent, which was I don't know, I kind of felt a sports thing when it came to this match. And I liked the match. I liked the tra- the, the slaps at the end. I liked, um, I mean, again, these are young lions, so let's not get all out of control. But I thought the pace was good. I thought, uh, I thought all of them did very well. Very well. And, and, and at the very least, it made me excited to see it again, which I, I can't ask for anything more when it comes to all young lions. Our second pre-show tag team match was Daiki Anaba and Masa Kitamiya defeating Oscar Loiba and Tomohiro Ishii in 10 minutes, 28 seconds. And yeah, I thought Oscar Loiba looked good here. A lot of young wrestlers of his size, and these very tall guys, can look a bit clumsy. And it's also quite difficult to work that young lion style when you're twice the size of everyone else. But he did well here. And aside from that, I mean, for the most part, it was a very Ishii match. Uh, yeah. And notable that Inaba and Kitamiya attacked Ishii backstage. And I'd be very happy to see... Kitamiya and Ishii singles match. I'd rather see it sooner than next January, but we'll see if they can hash out any additional events. Right. You nailed it. You, and you nailed the little note that I had. This was an Ishii match, right? Um, and you know what that means. So, you know, Masa and Ishii did an Ishii match, right? right? With the with, uh, supporting cast. Let's put it that way. And uh, then moving on to... After that, we had, oh, goodness me. Oh, yeah. I'm dreading this part of the show. The Jay Briscoe tribute. So, of course, uh, he's got history with New Japan. He's the first never openweight six-man champion, along with his brother, Toriano. Big part of IWGP tag title history. Uh, just, just fucking horrible, tragic. Like, I just feel sick even thinking about it. And, you know, all the best wishes, like, from the bottom of my heart for his family, his wife, his brother, the, the kids. Um, I mean, I heard some encouraging news yesterday that his daughter Gracie resigned, uh, regained some feeling in her legs and there's some movement in her lower extremity. So I really do hope that she's able to recover from that because like, obviously it's just a, a, an awful, awful thing to happen for his family. And 
I think it's a sort of a natural response to situations like this where you sort of put yourself in that position and think, fuck, mate, imagine if that happened to me. And it, that it's literally my worst nightmare. I could not think of anything worse. Not not the dying part, but leaving your family in that, you know, that those tragic circumstances and, you know, the, the situation with his girls, like what must his wife be thinking at the moment? And I was thinking, you know, if that happened to me, and I, I'm sorry, this is going to get very dark. Mally, would she probably kill herself? And I ended up, so I was very quiet the, the same day it happened. And Mally was like, what's up? You, you look upset. And I ended up telling her about this. And she said to me, oh my God, if that happened to you, I'd kill myself. And no, I was no. like, fuck. Oh, fuck. Um, well, don't let it. We this part out. <laughs> uh, yeah, just horrible. I t- there's no words that can describe how awful it is. Yeah. Uh, no, there isn't. It, it is a living nightmare, and I, I just can't imagine having to wake up the next day and go on with doing what you have to do. Um, and there's plenty that that needs to be done. Um, I, I think about like all the, and, and again, the pro wrestling is secondary, but that's what connects all of us to him um how many shows i've seen him on and how many times he they have been the briscoes have been in the ring with um you know legends legends of of pro wrestling um and why because the promotion knows that they trust them in that spot um yeah i i mean just a normal day, right? Just a normal day taking your kids to cheerleading practice. Um, and that happens. So, look, uh, I, I, it's just a nightmare. I don't know what to do. You know, I, trust me, it, it rattled me too. Um, I don't have kids, and I, but that's a, that's a scary fucking thought. And I think everybody kind of took a moment to count their blessings a little bit um so i don't know i don't know i i like it's very weird for me to try to put into words that this dumb cod podcast is is thinking of them you know and and har- our hearts bleed for them um and you know they just want their husband and father back <laughs> You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know, dude. But I, I thought the tribute was nice. I thought the tribute was good. And uh, I can't sit here and tell you that I didn't get choked up over that. Uh, James says, what's your favorite memory of Jay Briscoe? Um, yeah, I was thinking about this. <sighs> I was in line uh, for a show at Hammerstein Ballroom. And, yeah, you know there was a line to wait to, to get in the doors open and they kind of walk up with their wheelie bags, right. And their, their, their gear and they go in building. Everybody's, you know, everybody's, you know, risk goes, Hey, Jay, Mark. Uh, and there was a lot of people in line. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't just me. Um, and they go in and then they came back out and they were kind of goofing with people and, you know, taking pictures and shit. And then Mark climbs up the side of the building. 
like on the marquee of the Hammerstein. He's on top of the fucking marquee standing there and everybody's cheering for him that he made it up there. And getting up was easier. <laughs> getting down was a little bit more difficult for him. Uh, we were, there was some precarious moments. Uh, but but the, I just remember that. I will never. I, that's like the first thing I thought of. And then um, there were a couple matches that uh, they had a match. He had a match with um, what they did. With uh, Shinsuke and um, Liger, it was Shinsuke and Liger against the Briscoes, and I think about that, like that match, and how fire pro wrestling it is, but yet it's not. Um, it was a Ring of Honor show. I've just so many, oh, just all the Ring of Honor stuff they did. Them in, uh, I remember a match they had with it was them against was it Steen? You know, Kevin Owens going Steen. Uh, and El Generico, I want to say. I could be wrong. Uh, I know, I think I'm right. Uh, that was, I just remember them brawl fucking all over the place. Look, they were, they were, for in New Japan, Joel, I don't think we ever, ever said anything negative on a Briscoe's match. I don't think we ever did. Um, I, I like I thought they were, they had good, really good IWGP tag title matches. They had even the even the even the never six man stuff was was fine. It was good. Um, obviously they're going to be most known for their Ring of Honor stuff. I would think, right? Um, I just think they're they were a solid tag team, and from what I hear. <laughs> Nobody's said a bad thing about the dude, you know. Everybody's, you know, kind of overwhelmingly say that he's, you know, Family Guy, and he's a a, a, a kind guy and a, and a and a and a guy who cared about people. And I don't know, man. Fucking blows. I I just I don't understand the world sometimes, Joe. I don't understand the world sometimes. You know, if you just take anything from this, just treasure your loved ones because you never know what's going to happen. And again, we've no idea what caused this accident, but you know, be safe on the roads. So, whatever you can do to make sure you got full control of your vehicle, you, you, you do what you can. And yeah, just be grateful for the people you have around you who love you and care about you. One hundred percent. Right. Okay. So that brings us to the main card where we started off with Hiroshi Tanahashi, Satoshi Kojima, Takashi Sugura, and Toriano defeating Bullet Club, ELP, Ghetto, Kenta, and Naomichi Marufuji in 12 minutes, 20 seconds. Quite a lot of focus here on El Fantasma and talk from commentary about how he could be a top guy if he took things more seriously, which makes you think, you know, who knows what's going to be in the pipelines for Bullet Club in the future. But uh, mm. sticking with this match, Kenta, uh, Tanahashi, I think they sold their feud very well. They were really going after each other, but very angry with each other after what happened at last year's Wrestle Kingdom. And I thought the finish was quite funny, actually, with the Maru Kenta reunion teased, get a blind tagging himself in to join in pressure of Marufuji to give Kenta the two sweet and then getting low blowed and rolled up by Yano. Like We all knew that some nonsense was coming, but I thought it was executed pretty well. Yeah, a lot of tension, a lot of, lot of, lot of uh, bullet club uh, too sweet that uh, maybe didn't get recepted <laughs> very well. Um, yeah, Yana with the roll up. I mean, the people who we thought were going to lose, we're going to lose. I think, you know, you try to look for nuggets 
And I think that nugget of El Fantasma was spot on. So uh, just just kind of warming you up a little bit, kind of getting that in your mind just to uh, when he does need to take things seriously. Uh, maybe he's a good pick to uh, slide right on in. And our second match was El Desperado defeating Yohei in 10 minutes, 57 seconds. There seemed to be uh, Kevin and Chris going out of their way to call him Despay. I've never noticed that before. I always, always, I always said Despi, but I'm going to call him Despay as well. Des, Despay, Despay, Pay, Pay. You want Pay? So Despay, Despay. Right. Despay, uh, I think, as I've said many times on this show, I think Despay is one of the best at doing the leg match. Uh, he lays it out brilliantly. It always focuses him on the finish. And I thought Yohei Selly was very good here. Some nice counter near falls for him. But uh, aside from that, I mean, it was a pretty dominant win for our boy Despay. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I... I... <sighs> I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence on this match. I, I just want to see. If and again, I'm using this as a barometer. Don't read too much into this. But like three stars? Two and a half? Or are you going higher? No, I'm a bit, bit more generous than that. It's a three, three and a quarter, three and a half. I, I enjoy it. I always enjoy it. Despy having leg matches. Despay having leg matches. Despay. Yeah, See, you blew it already. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I just, I couldn't find a way to get into this. I didn't think it was, I don't know. I I, I, I don't know if I was into the leg match as much as you were. Um, I, I don't know. I, maybe I went into it with other expectations. Maybe I went into it, but I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was anything. Honestly, for me, this was probably one of my least favorite Desperado matches. De- Des B matches. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's pretty forgettable. I mean, especially within the context of other stuff that happened on this card. It's, it's fine. It's a fine match. All right, I mean, listen, the, the, guy, uh, the guy just won yeah, our junior yeah. uh, of the year. I expected more. Thank you. <laughs> I thought he'd have Okay, no, that's a fair point. I thought it was fine. Listeners, no. let us know what you think. Uh, don't let us know. I don't care. Uh, third <laughs> match was a six-man tag team match with <laughs> Alejandro Amakusa. And Junta Miyawaki, he yeah. defeated 6-9, Wato and Taguchi, and Tiger Mask. I really liked Amakusa's evil Queen Elizabeth costume. That was very good. Uh, lots of talk about Hiromi's cross-promotional junior invitational, so maybe we get to see these guys crossing paths again. Uh, I wasn't really expecting to say this before the match, but I thought the Tiger Mask and Amakusa sequences were very good indeed. And Tiger, he can still go. Every nine months or so, I really sit down and watch him and say, wow, he's still got it, which is pretty remarkable for a 52-year-old junior. You know, there's nothing spectacular about him, but he's just a really good, solid base for more athletic and dynamic partners and opponents and lots of potential fun crossover matches for Amaksa. I thought he looked really good out there. And he's challenged Hiromi backstage, so they're having a singles match at the Tokyo Dome on February 21st, which I'm very excited about. That's, that, that show's turning out to be pretty good, don't you think? So yeah, far, I mean, we'll come on to it, but that's that, that's got show of the year potential. It really does. I mean, it really does. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I thought it was okay. You know, um, I hate to be the wet blanket, but I just thought things didn't gel right. I don't know. I just didn't feel this one at all. Um, yes, I still believe Tiger Mask uh, at fifty some odd. Uh, I mean, certainly can't go as 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 much as he could maybe when he was in his twenties, but um, perfectly serviceable, perfectly fine. Um, 
Yeah, it was fine. I mean, it was fine. Uh, Bissy Inspire says, what juniors would you like to see on Hiromu Juniors All-Star Show? Hmm. I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm really ignorant about the the junior scene in Japan no. as a whole. Uh, I know there's some really talented guys in Dragon Gate I would like to see, and I know they don't do the sort of weight class distinctions, but yeah, if we get some of those guys involved, I think that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it would be more guys from CMLL. Um, I want to be surprised if you see some AEW uh, participation. I wouldn't be yeah, surprised. Darby at all. Allen would be fun. I mean, he's doing that. He were, didn't he do a tag match already? He did the Sting, yeah. the final tag, yeah. final Muta match. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I would. I would have no problem with that either. Um, but I think I don't know. It's a weird time that we live in when it comes to pro wrestling, where it feels like a lot of those barriers that once were up are really. <laughs> Mr. Gorbachev, tear down these walls. That's my Ronald Reagan, by the way. Pretty good, right? <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> thank you. Nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, thank you. Uh, All right. Uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Fourth match was uh, Keito Kiyomiya and Yoshiki Inamura versus Kazuchika Okada and Togi Makabe, which was no contest after 6 minutes 35 seconds. And first things first, I loved Inamura's Vito Spatafore leather daddy gear. That is a tremendous look. He <laughs> keeps it. And like this match, just a, a great bit of misdirection. You go back and listen to our preview last week, and it was all Inamura and Makabe, because that's where the immediate build has been. And... We thought, well, I thought Okada and Kiyomiya were just the sizzle to the Inamura Makabe state. But we, we kind of forgot that Okada has been shit-talking Kiyomiya for well over a year now. And Kato ate a Rainmaker last year. And his booking for Noah has been iffy. I mean, the amount he gained from the Muto feud is kind of questionable. I'm told he's been booked well since, which brings us here, where Kiyomiya asks Okada to start the match and Okada just completely blows him off, just cannot be bothered with his kids. We get Makabe and Inamura starting the match and eventually Okada tags in. The, the camera is very deliberately placed with Okada and Inamura in the chin lock in the Correct. foreground, but Kiyomiya placed very prominently in the background, just looming over Okada. Like you can feel Kiyomiya just steaming in the background, like running over all those times he's been insulted over the last 18 months until he decides he's had enough. And I'm sure we've all been there where we've been ruminating over someone or, or something that's annoyed you or, or disrespected you and it all bubbles up and you work yourself into a shoot and then you just snap 
And so Kiyomiya comes in, or kind of barely even acknowledges the first three stomps. He won't, he won't even look at Kiyomiya. And that's the moment where Kiyomiya is just like, fuck this guy, and pops him in the face. And the crowd are just going, oh, shit. Yeah. And big Akira Maeda vibes. Oh. Okada goes into full Nelson Muntz mode, just beats the absolute piss out of Kiyomiya to the extent to which a lot of people were wondering if it was a shoot. And, and that is money. You know, we thought Makabe and Inamura were going to be doing all the wild angle brawling. And by the end, they're holding back their own tag partners because things have gone off the rails so hard and, you know, ended in a no contest. So, you know, more of an angle than a match, but what an angle. I mean, everyone's talking about it. I thought Kiyomiya looked like more of a badass than he's ever done in Noah. Okada looked more fired up than he ever has in New Japan. Like, where was this passion in the Wrestle Kingdom 17 build up? Like, Okada could barely muster a frown for the Jay White build. And now he wants to tear Kaito Kiyomiya's freaking head off and the crowd ate up every single morsel of it and like purely in terms of buzz what a way to kickstart the post-pandemic wrestling scene in japan right Th- this was great we've got Okada versus kiyomiya scene uh that, that's official for february 21st in the tokyo dome Muto time that shows arthur screaming with his head off in the background <laughs> which is 10 days after new beginning in osaka hey hello, what man. is hello, happening come on come here What's wrong? Oh, I'm no. going to take care of the boy. You tell me what you thought about it. <laughs> you go take care of uh, that scene in there. My goodness. Well, look, uh, as an uh, old-timey pro wrestling fan, uh, instantly, uh, and you're right, the, you know, in hindsight, looking back on this and watching that match again, you're right, the camera positioning was, was legitimately perfect. Uh, and, you know, kind of told that story of watching him just fucking boil over in anger and the two kicks and then the one that just fucking destroys Okada. Uh, I got Shoshu Maeda vibes. Absolutely. And for those maybe in the uh, not in the know. Uh, back in the Fujinami? No, no, it was uh, he kicked Ricky Shoshu right in the face. Ricky Choshu had, um, I forget who it was, but somebody in like that, uh, the scorpion deathlock kind of move. And Maeda just came up from behind through that kick and boop, knocked, I mean, just fucking exploded his face. Um, and then they brawled a little bit, like they fought and, but they never really kind of got back together. Like it didn't really break down like it did with Okada. Um, no. And, and the thing about it is, is that, um, you know, for some reason, uh, Maeda, who already had this reputation of being a guy that, you know, didn't really take a lot of shit and or uh, just felt like, all right, if you're being goofy in the ring, you're get, you're eating it or jealousy or whatever. Um, I mean, he did take it out on Shoshu. Um, but Maeda, you know, he had a reputation. You, everybody knows the, the famous Andre the Giant match and uh, where that kind of fell apart. Um, and there have been other instances where Maeda was kind of sketch on, you know, cooperating. Uh, I think uh, what? I think uh, John Tenta was wonderful. No, that was Kitohara. I'm, I'm thinking of something else. My bad. Um, anywho, I mean, but, you know, for whatever reason, that just seems that when somebody does something like that, and, and it's not, you know, it's not like this happens all the time, but like it just like when it's. I don't know when there's tension in the air and there's it just creates stars, you know, like Maeda went on to a fucking massive career uh, post New Japan. 
just from, I mean, let's be honest here. That one incident kind of was the, the spark that lit everything. Um, and they, and I think they fed off that. And I think they, they used that situation to their advantage here. Look, this is obviously not the same type of situation, but they're going to give every rhyme or reason that it, that it is something like this. Right. Um, and, and I, it, it had me out of my chair because, you know, when it happened, I, I stood up out of, my, out, of, out of the couch and Cheryl's sitting next to me. And I was like, you fucking show shoot him or, you know, fucking I eat at him. Uh, and, you know, obviously she has no fucking idea what I'm talking about. But it, it was like it was that it was that emotion. It was that feeling that. And and again, Okada just going batshit on him. Um this is one of the more exciting angles I can remember in a real long time. Like this is, this has got people fired up and this is a perfect, I mean, imagine this fucking singles match. Imagine this match. If they pull this off, like this is a ticket buying, putting ass in seats type angle. This is a, this is a big fuck. And the match you you don't think this match is going to be red hot? I mean, there's some emotion and there's anger and frustration, and you know you never got that that Shoshu Maeda match. You never got it. Okay, well we're going to work an angle, and, and we're going to give it to you. We're going to give it to you. Um, decades later, I'm excited, man. I think this was fucking so well done. Did you see that drop kick? I think it was uh, Makabe yeah, who was holding tremendous. Oh, my God. He fucking planted him. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I'm in. I'm in on this. This is this is this is right up my alley and I'm I'm all in. I will watch. I will pay the thirty dollars. I will whatever fucking it takes. I want I, I want to see these guys in the singles match. Absolutely. Yeah, so as I was saying, uh, we, that's official for the February 21st Tokyo Dome Muto Retirement Show. Well, interestingly, that's 10 days after New Beginning on Osaka, three days after Battle in the Valley, which is a lot of wrestling for Okada if he is uh, retaining that title. Um, although I'm assuming the Tokyo Dome sh- uh, match will be non-title. Uh, but either way, uh, Louis says the Okada and Kaito fi- Kato fight outside the ring made paying for the pay-per-view worth it. All I need to know is when and where I can watch this match. George said, did the New Japan No event exceed every expectation you had? And how would you book Okada versus Kiyomiya now? Uh, Tokyo Dome at Muto's final match, or is this something set for a bigger event this year between both companies headlined by them both? Well, you got your answer for that. Multiverse A says, if they do Okada and Kiyomiya, will they have to wait until both guys drop their respective belts? Or do they do champ versus champ? Either way, this feud has the ability to print money for both companies. So yeah, I'm assuming this is going to be a non-title match. And I don't think uh, Kiyomiya is going to win, but certainly a huge amount for Kiyomiya to, to be gained in having such a prominent spot and, you know, I don't think Kazuchika Okada is a guy who's just going to completely bury Kiyomiya in this match. And just the, the amount of effort he put in just with that angle alone is more emotion and energy than he's put into anything with any of his New Japan opponents in recent years. Yeah. I, I think it all depends upon what, you know, the match winds up being. If it if it is a non-title match, um, I think you have a very good chance of having uh, Kiyomiya be... Uh, the one to take the win. I really do. 
Um, because why not? Um, let's let's make him as strong as possible to have a nice little program here. Um, if it is title versus title, you know, and it winds up being that, I think, I think, mm, I hate to say it, but well, let me ask you this: Would you have a problem having either one of them as your world champion? No, no, I, neither do I. I really wouldn't. I think it would be incredibly awesome if he pulled it off, right? Um, I would have zero problem with it. Uh, I don't think the companies have the balls to go that far, though. I don't. I don't. Do you? Do you think? All right, let's just put it this way. Let's, do you think Noah has the balls to have Okada win the world championship? Uh, no, no, I can't see that happening. And look, I will say, I think the relationship between these companies is really good. And it's obviously coming a long way over the last 12 months. But I think we're some distance away from exchanging top titles. I, I Like, everything points to that. Like, everything points to that. Maybe it's just my little wish. Like, I would have no problem with either one of them. I would have no problem. And just temporarily, you know, a couple months, maybe. Um at, at most, but I think that would be so much fun uh, if they really did this well. Because here's the problem with New Japan: New Japan does has in their history done a lot of these type of you know invasion angles and you know you know different promotions coming in and you know wanting to you know make some noise in New Japan. Um, and it feels like that at every opportunity when that happens, New Japan not only one, but one pretty solidly um, in those. I I would love to see, you know, just, just a tide turn a little bit on that and be a little bit flexible with that. I know it's a pipe dream, but I'd like to see that. Look, I'm excited for it. We're talking about it. Everybody's talking about it. So fuck, let's, let's get, let's, you know, let's swim into the deep end of the pool. Uh, I saw a funny tweet. I apologize. I can't remember who it's from, but it was said uh, the Okada Kiyomi angle has to be the most creative idea Togi Makabe has ever come up with to <laughs> avoid taking a bump in a tag match. <laughs> an all timer there. Uh, Renegade Duke Longs, it was that. Yeah. Well, and you know what that. else this does? Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, this, like, as a subtle thing, like, you know, there is no advantage here, right? So, like, after this match, it was like two wins for New Japan, two wins for Noah, and this tie <laughs> you know this is no contest so that i thought that was an interesting spin the kind it's kind of like getting out of a g1 thing with like a count out or you know or some shit like that like i just thought that was a, a a bit creative and also six minutes joel six minutes is it, 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 that's not a long time for an okada match in, in any shape or form that's, that's my sweet spot that's my attention span <laughs> yeah six minutes more huh? six minute matches in new japan please i'm, I'm in i'm in that, that but that was really good and, and finally it's an exciting angle that i think everyone is pumped up over all right that brought us into the congo versus lij best of five series match number one was tadasuke defeating Bushi in 11 minutes, 9 seconds. And I, yeah, I thought we got big match Bushi here. He was fired up. He was laying in the strikes. You, you can really tell that both sides of the locker room uh, bringing out a lot of professional pride here. And it kind of felt like Bushi knew he was eating a pin, so he was going to go out on his shield and bring the work rate, get the crowd behind him. And look, you say what you want about Bushi, but the man's a fucking pro and he brought it here. And I did say last week that Bushi losing was a, a likely outcome here, but not without some schmozz. And I did think Bushi 
popped his shoulder up at the end when they did the three counts. So it felt more like a fluke win for Tedeschi rather than a comprehensive victory because it was 90% Bushi, but he just got caught out in the end, which was a, a running theme in these matches. But yeah, I, I like this one. That was good. Um, I don't know. Like, I was still kind of buzzing <laughs> a little bit uh, over the angle. Um, so maybe my focus wasn't there uh, in the beginning of the match. But yeah, it, it was fine. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Bushi, Bushi hit the mist. Um, trying to remember the fucking finish, quite honestly. Um, well, that I guess that... Yeah, what, he hit the mist and then Tadasuke got him in some sort of crucifix pin. Right. Poor Boosh. Poor Boosh looking at the lights. But yeah, I mean, I think we all called that one. Okay, so match number two was Hiromu Takahashi defeating Hajime Ohara in 30 minutes and five seconds. And yeah, similar to the last match in as much as the guy who lost got most of the offense. I never really bought that Hiromu was going to lose here, but the crowd really did get into it. They were reacting big for for the near force until the, the late Hiromu Flurry put him away. And yeah, another pretty good match. Yep. Uh, 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 Here's the here's this I guess the the one I don't know like I'm seeing a lot of Hiromu good matches and I may just be blind to it right now but like when was the last great Hiromu match? Oof, right. Maybe the uh, the the Ishimori failed title match wasn't it back here? was it the one that was after. After Dominion, yeah. Okay. I don't know. I just feel like I'm seeing a lot of okay matches. Um, and I think this was an okay match. I don't, I don't you know, certainly nothing where I would be hand-waving. Uh, yeah, at no point did I think we were looking at a title change or anything of that nature. But, um, and again, no one really knew that it was going to be a uh, a title match later down the road uh, with Hiromu uh, being on the Noah show at the Dome. But, I, at no point did I think there was going to be a title change here. And and there wasn't. <laughs> there wasn't. Uh, I don't think it was a title match, actually. I don't think any of these were. But No, no, yeah, no. no this wasn't. But like, like, isn't there a uh, – then, then they book a title match for him? He's, isn't he defending the title? Am I wrong? What, Hiromu? Yeah. Uh, it's got against Yo and the New Beginning Tour. No, I mean, it, it wasn't something booked for um, – I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I thought there was a that they announced a, a, a title match, not between these two. I forget who, but I'll just shut up because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> that. All right, uh, next match was Manabu Soya defeating Sonata in 30 minutes 55, 51, in the 57 seconds. <laughs> We don't often uh, see these kind of styles clash for Sonata, where he's against a big guy. I thought it was good. You know, I've been saying for a while that Sonata has noticeably improved. He's sharper, he's crisp, but he doesn't slop it up anymore. No paradise lock today, if you want a sign of respect for his former tag partner. I was mildly surprised that he lost here, although I did mention last week that Sawyer has a title match coming up. But uh, yeah, good match either way. Yeah, that's that's... I don't know. I felt like we did really well <laughs> calling these... Um, and knowing that he has the title match around the corner. Uh, and, and really, what does Sonata have around the corner? Not much. I mean, if anybody was going was able to take a fall, it was Bushi and Sonata we talked about. And uh, lo and behold, it happened. Um, this did nothing to win me over on Sonata. I got to be honest with you. Um, 
again, good, a good match. No, nothing on this show is bad, but nothing where I, I, I wouldn't even say so much as like, like what was the most memorable moment of this match? Uh, <laughs> right, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like these matches were there and they were, they were decent, but like to come up with a fucking take is like, I'm like, all right. Uh, you know, I, I think, yeah, I, I the same for, I was struggling to come up with takes for a lot of these. Right. Right. They're, they're matches and they're fine and it's, you know, whatever, but it's like, it's not like, I don't know. I think there was a significant event on this show. Well, two, uh, actually three, I'll, I'll go three. Um, and that makes it a show worthwhile watching. Absolutely. Okay, so then our eighth match was Shingo Takagi defeating Katsuhiko Nakajima in 80 minutes, 28 seconds. Uh, Nakajima did his usual thing of kicking the shit out of his opponent. But I thought Shingo did a particularly good job here of selling it and basically looking like a an old man who was getting a beating. We don't often see that side of Shingo. He was clutching his ribs and wheezing and it's quite rare for him to show that level of vulnerability and yeah I thought this was probably the best match on the show the striking battles were stiff they were meaty just two dumb jocks at a pissing contest and the matches that didn't really do the usual New Japan thing of finisher reversals and counters and 50-50 and all that they all had like I said a very similar layout of one guy getting beaten up for most of the match before they fired up hit a few big moves and won so Anytime the first 10 minutes had a guy controlling the match, it was telegraphing that they were going to lose. And yeah, this was no exception. True. Very true. Um, but for for the reasons that you pointed out, it it I enjoyed this a lot. Like, <laughs> like, like for me, these two guys beating the piss out of each other is uh, super enjoyable. But yeah, it, it did feel like you could almost set your watch to it in the sense that, okay, if, if one guy has control at the beginning, you know, he's going, you know, he's going to be looking at the lights soon. So um, I was kind of hoping they would switch up that narrative a little bit, but uh, no, but these two guys, I, I enjoy both of them. So to me, this was the best match of the night and, um, you know, hard hitting, you know, as you can imagine, kicks that fucking echo through a building, as you can imagine. Um, yeah, I loved it. I thought this. I thought this was the best match of the show. And the main event was Tetsuya Naito defeating Keno in 26 minutes 57 seconds. And yeah, again, I was watch this and just really struggling to think like, what what can I say about this match? It was a good match. Felt more like a, a sort of a mid tour G1 main event than a, a Wrestle Kingdom match. I was expecting a bit more. It doesn't mean to say it was bad, but it just it never really hit that extra gear for me. And um, I suppose I've, re- I've got more to say about the post-match stuff than the match itself. So what did you think of it? Um, I was a little disappointed with it. I'm not going to lie. Um, I was excited for this match. And not to say that it was flat. Like, I feel like like this entire review, I'm trying to make excuses for my lack of excitement for it. Um, at the end of the day, I just think it was a, a match that was there. Um, once again, nothing that was that was where I would be like, okay, make sure you set an alarm and watch this fucking match. Um, I think they, I think this match could have been a, a thousand times better. Um, and, and with that being said, it was still a good match, not great, a good match. It's fine. And so after the match, we had Keiji Muto calling out Tetsuya Naito, and that is now official for Keiji Muto's retirement match. 
Uh, that is just a, a massive feather in the cap of Naito, who you know, we talked about this year and last year as well. You know, what's Naito going to do? You know, he's lost in the shuffles, not doing anything meaningful. So now, sort of this sort of series of three singles matches he's had with Keno and then Shota Umino and now Keiji Muto's retirement match. Like, very strange, but also very, very cool. And, you know, Naito's publicly stated he grew up as a, a massive, massive Keiji Muto fanboy. And I could see Naito getting emotional, like visibly choking up, trying to hold it in when Muto called him back to the ring. And getting to retire one of his heroes, I mean, to me, I think that's bigger than Wrestle Kingdom main event. So he must be just beside himself. He must be absolutely thrilled to get this spot. And a surprise as well. I was not expecting this. It kind of came out of left field for you. Um, so I suppose that would be my question. Were you surprised as well? And do you think Noah have been kind of fucked here because Great Muta's last singles match was against the WWE guy, Keiji Muto's last singles match against the New Japan guy. Uh, but, you know, I, whatever way you look at it, the, the Dome show and this match is going to be huge. It's a, it's an unbelievable spot. Yeah, it's it, it, it did come as a surprise to me. Um, you kind of... You're I, 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 at least I was thinking and leaning in the direction of something happening here where we continued on with, you know, LIJ uh, being involved in Noah, you know, whatever that might look like. Um, certainly not. You've got the main event for arguably one of the greatest pro wrestlers in Japanese pro wrestling history. Um, so yeah, it, it, that is a nice, that is a tremendous feather in his cap. And it kind of goes, I, I saw some people saying, you know, kind of goes full circle. Whereas, you know, Naito had a match with Muda at, at the Tokyo Dome, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so it kind of does go a bit full circle when it comes to, uh, Kenji Moto. Um, uh, do you does this go does this bother you at all in the sense of they have there's a guy in Naito who can, is is put in a such a prominent position on this on this show this main event this main event and the domain event is it is this kind of like a stopgap for him? Is this is this a thing where it's like, okay, we're going to give you this just to kind of pacify you in New Japan Pro Wrestling? Well, given by who? I suppose that's the question. I mean, was this a New Japan Muto call? Was it? Yeah, because Muto can say whatever he wants, right? Like he could be like, I want Tanahashi, I want Okada, I want Naito, I want whomever. Like I feel like if he made the call, he's getting who he wants, right? So, so I think it's more New Japan saying, okay, we got nothing for you, but we're going to let you do these things. These this this is your bonus check, in other words. You know, Okada might be our champion, and Tanahashi might be our legend, but. You have this, right? I, I don't know. Look, I, there's a very good possibility this is going to be maybe the, the probably will be the biggest drawing show in Japan for the whole year. 
are therefore the biggest. I mean, it's, it's going to clean up at the Tokyo Sports Awards. I think this is a, a fantastic spot for Naito. I, I mean, this is. I think he must be thrilled with it. I don't think there's anything to complain about at all. Uh, as far as you know, what his booking is going to be like for the rest of the year, it's anyone's guess. You never know what New Japan are going to do with Naito. I just I'm putting myself in the mindset that they're done with him in terms of him being like a top champion in the company. They told that story, got his moment at Wrestle Kingdom 14. So anything we get from this point on is a bonus, but just this, I think is just an all time spot for him and something to be excited about. You think he's got his work cut out for him? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I you sort of think about Naito's moveset, you know, Destino and stuff like that. It's, it's going to be tough. Yeah, gonna have to get very creative. Yeah, I think th- I think there's gonna be plenty of creativity, and you know they're they, they they're they're wanting to go that 30 minute Tokyo Dome main event kind of thing. Um, yeah, he's gonna do some heavy fucking lifting uh, for sure to make this a. Uh, and again, I'm sure there's gonna be smoke and mirrors. I'm sure I would not be surprised if we saw multiple multiple run-ins uh and just diversions and smoke and mirrors and whatever to, to find a way to make this a, an absolutely great match but you know what painkillers are a wonderful thing <laughs> i'm sure they'll be taking them in handfuls to get through this match so i laugh about it it's a sad thing but um this show is turning out to this this fucking february show is turning out to be something red hot and uh, whereas yeah. before I'm, I'm, I was kind of like, nah, I was lukewarm on it. It was okay. I, you know, I'd probably check it out. Nah, this is a must. The, the, this show is going to be a must watch. It's quite funny that everyone was talking about this as being like, oh, Noah finally back in Tokyo Dome. And most likely the top two matches are going to end up with like <laughs> Naito and Okada, the arms raised in victory. So oh, poor Noah. But I mean, that aside, it's a genuinely exciting time for Japanese wrestling with all of this interpromotional cooperation. Like they even managed to get Nakajima and Miyahara in the same ring following uh, their torrid history and diamond ring, as I've been educated about in the discord. So yeah, a lot to look forward to there. Um, so let's dig into some questions. Then Ross says, do you think with the Okada versus Kato angle that we're going to get more new Japan versus no matches or pay-per-views throughout the year? I do. I mean, I think that's, we've, we've set up some nice programs, right? I mean, we've, we've, they've done a good job. I, I both companies, both companies, has have done a a very good job of of building up interest in this when let's be truthful i don't know if there was a ton beforehand but they found a way to make it happen so hats off to both of them yeah and and i do think we'll see more I, because the handwriting's on the wall yeah it'd be great to see some in, involvement in stuff like best of the super juniors and maybe even the G one from some outside promotions. Uh, Dara says as a Western fan who doesn't watch Noah, do you think new Japan are doing a good enough job giving context to people who may not know many of the names on the show? Admittedly my buzz on wrestle kingdom 17, night two was low just due to ignorance or maybe these shows aren't designed for us. I think they are primarily designed for the Japanese audience. I think they are more into it than the casual Western fan, but I thought Chris and Kevin did a, a, a brilliant job in, educating people who, who wouldn't know about these Noah stars and making the matches seem meaningful. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. Thank God for Kevin Kelly and Chris, right? Um, the fact that there is that resource where they can quickly get you up to speed. Um, that's 
that's a lot of homework I'm sure that they had to do. Listen, I'm I'm sure Kevin Kelly, you know, isn't watching every fucking Noah show leading up to this and could just sit down behind a microphone and 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 bang it out. Um, I'm sure there was a, a ton of homework and a ton of notes and a ton of stuff. And then it's just not about having that information, but being able to deliver it in a, in a digestible way for uh, a dope on their couch watching this show can can pick up easy. That's a, that's a that's a huge invaluable skill. Um, and both of them had it. So I think they did a very good job. Uh, and again, I think both companies, they're doing they're doing exciting things with it. And that's probably all I can ask of it. I just want you to, to have exciting things. I just didn't want this to be a show where guys wrestled and then that's that. Um, we're, we, we have storylines and we have stuff coming out of this. And again, keep in mind, this is over and above. We just came off Wrestle Kingdom. We just came off a red hot Kenny Omega Will Ospreay match. We just came off some exciting things around the corner. Um, I think, I think, I don't know. This is, this is good shit. I'm digging it. Spiderhead says, do you think the Kato Okada feud would be better if Kato screams coward over and over again? David Bentley Fart says, how telling is it that a five-minute brawl had more drama than the white Okada wrestling Kingdom match in its entire build? Evan says, thinking about how all the current catalysts of New Japan events that have drawn major attention are not from the core roster. Omega, Mercedes, now Kiyomiya. Can interaction solely involving New Japan's regular crew catch that kind of fire? So I think that was raise a lot of interesting questions. Yeah, yeah I think Noah has that same question though, right? Like the the biggest interest in them seems to be, you know, retirement of a legend, um, and New Japan guys, you know, getting involved. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that in the sense of short term, but look, how many New Japan followers who really didn't know a ton about Noah now have I would say a more than passing interest in Noah, right? That's that, that one kick and that, that those six minutes helped again, light a fire. There's interest. There's buzz. Does that mean there's more YouTube searches for Noah wrestlers? Maybe. Does that mean that, uh, interest will be picked up in, in live gates over there? Maybe I look, they, here's what they have right now. They have an opportunity that they didn't have before. They have an opportunity. Um, and so far, they've made the most of it. I can't complain about what they're doing. Not at all. Um, I think both companies are looking strong. I think both companies have a buzz. Um, and I will say this. It's not, you know, there was, a, there was the Kenny Omega Will Ospreay buzz, right? I mean, and that seemed to involve... I might be wrong, but like a completely different subsection of the pro wrestling fan base. And this helps kind of satisfy another large segment of the pro wrestling fan base. And like they're doing both of these things simultaneously. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. Actually, if you think about it, like they're doing things that get people juiced up that might not intersect in the pro wrestling world. I don't know if there's a ton of people that are massive Kenny Omega fans that are also massive Congo fans, you know, <laughs> right? I don't know. I don't know if that, I don't know if that, that, if they cross, maybe I'm sure there's some, but the fact that they're doing stuff that makes it interesting to this, these pockets eventually 
Okay, this pocket, this pocket, boom. Now we have a, a huge pocket. Great. Now we have some casuals. Now the buzz is churning. Now we're moving quickly. Um, these are all things that I think are important, um, and they're doing it real well. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the Omega and Osprey as well because uh, Morning Pro Rest says if all goes well as we hope and Japanese Rest fully sees a reawakening of strength in 2023, when we look back five years from now, is the first symbol of that change that comes to mind Omega throwing Osprey's head through a table at Wrestle Kingdom or the moment Kiyomiya kicks Okada in the face. And yeah, if they sort of follow up on this properly, then that kick to the face could be an iconic moment. It could be. If they want it to be, it could be. Uh, because it's already a moment that people are talking about. They just have to capitalize on it. Um, I don't know if the officially we're back would be we'd be able to look back and be like, okay, this is the moment. But, I mean, l- let's be honest. Wrestle Kingdom, hearing cheering fans, having that match kind of be the, the launching point of post-COVID New Japan Pro Wrestling. Maybe. That's, I mean, look, let's put it this way. They're two for two. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're two for two when it comes to interesting shows. I haven't watched the show today. Um, so I'm hoping they, they're going three for three. But so far, they're two for two. Yes. Yeah, so I think it's very encouraging to see that New Japan know that they're having to pull something different out of the bag. They can't just you know, run the same old stuff, same old ankles, same old wrestlers, that they're really trying to freshen things up. And, and that's exciting to see. So well done to everyone involved uh, for... I thought that was a really good show, the uh, Wrestle Kingdom Night 2. So uh, let's move on to New Beginning in Nagoya, which you have not seen, so I'm not going to spend too long on it, but uh, I will just touch on the main event, which was the Great Okan versus Shingo Takagi KOPW match. So they had their mixed martial arts match. Um, This was quite funny because we had Great Okan, he had his ponytail bandaged around his head to keep it out of the way. I guess he didn't want to be using that as a, an illegal weapon. It was quite fun watching a different style of match with more grappling and takedowns. There was a bit of judo, you know, some nice submission transitions. I wouldn't want to necessarily see this every week, but I do appreciate the variety. Um, I might have been, uh, this might have actually been one of the only times I can recall LIJ coming out to support Shingo. They were there ringside with him and the United Empire guys were with uh, Okan as well. And I enjoyed the continuity of Okan working over Shingo's ribs after the beating Nakajima gave him, although it would have been even better if Shingo had them taped up, but that's a minor quibble. Uh, there was a great spot where um, great Okan was literally hanging Shingo from the rope, like round his neck with uh, with the belt from his gi. And Red Shoes just sort of like mildly admonishing him. Right? Just said, oh, that's naughty. <laughs> Shingo's like... Ah! so uh yeah there was uh, some funny moments here uh, united empire they, they were surprisingly working uh, overtly heelish here every time shingo got thrown out they were sort of fucking with him and like, actually doing moves on him osprey did a uh, an oz cutter off the uh, guardrail on him so perhaps that was just trying to get over the lumberjack element of the match um but uh we'll, we'll wait and see on that um I thought the finish was sold really brilliantly. So at the end, Shingo got rear naked choke and choked Okan unconscious and Okan sold it brilliantly. He looked like he was genuinely, like his eyes popping out of his head and then he woke up afterwards not realising what happened. So I don't know if you are going to like this because, you you know, you tend not to like the gimmicky stuff. I thought it was quite a fun match. And 
I may be in the minority here. I hope KOPW sticks around because um, mm-hmm. it's become a bit of a guilty pleasure for me. It's actually been booked pretty well. There are some interesting, uh, refreshingly different stipulations. So Shingo's retained here. He said he wants KOPW on the line against Okada. He says he wants it to be a double title match uh, for New Beginning in Osaka. So we'll, we'll wait and see where that one goes. <laughs> right. Listen, I uh, I blame Okada for all this KOPW stuff, so so why not let him uh, let him let, let him win it and retire it? That'd be uh, that'd be my guilty pleasure. All right, uh, let's do the strong log, and then I want to go and watch Arsenal against Man United. So let me get the results up. I love that you call it strong log. <laughs> yes, well, it's not long for this world because strong, as we know, it, is going to change. So enjoy it while. It lasts. Uh, okay. So Saturday, January 14th, we started off with a uh, Mascara Dorada defeating Che Cabrera in seven minutes with an elbow Dorada. It's always good to see Latino meet. Again, I, I hope he gets reunited with Badu Tito at some point. And yeah, I want to see Mascara Dorada feature more prominently this year because we all know how good he is. And I think it's a bit of a waste just having him on strong. So hopefully he gets to do something good this year. And the second match we had... Homicide, Eddie Kingston and David Finley defeating Danny Limelight, Bobby Fish and Tom Lawler in 9 minutes 40 seconds. Uh, so Wait, Bobby Finley, Fish is here? Wait, Bobby uh, Fish is here? <laughs> Sorry, Bobby did Fish it last night. Yes, <laughs> he's still there. <laughs> uh, so yeah, David Finley got the pin here with a trash panda. And yeah, this is one of the, the more well-built feuds on Strong because we've got some battle in the Valley matches coming up. We've got a Filthy Tom versus Homicide. We've got Eddie Kingston versus Jay White. We've got David Finley versus Bobby Fish. So they've done a good job building those ones up. And the main event here was Jeff Cobb defeating Badu Tito, 7 minutes, 33 seconds with Tour of the Island. So yet another big singles match for Teets. There was the Suzuki, the first cheering match back last year. There was the Okada match in London. And now this. So it's very much uh, looking forward to seeing Tito back in Japan and seeing his interactions with Zach and Fujitsu have newly joined his stable. So, yeah, this is good. This is a good throwback match. It was a good good hoss fight, so definitely worth checking out. And then there was the show from Saturday, January 21st, where we opened up with Guillermo Rosas and Cody Chun being defeated by the West Coast Wrecking Crew. So Jarrell Nelson got the pin over Cody Chun after 10 minutes, 37 seconds with Nelson's Dominate Elbow Drop. Mm. That's the uh, official name for that move. So I do like the C4 team of Guillermo Rosas and Cody Chan. They're just a very goofy-looking jobber tag team. and I've always got a spot in my heart for teams like that. Uh, I'm starting to love them. And as I've said before, these tag matches have got significance now that there is a tag title to fight over. So looks like West Coast Wrecking Crew are being built up to challenge for, or at least be in the mix for these uh, strong tag team titles. Then our second match was Kenta defeating QT Marshall in 12 minutes, 35 seconds with a go to sleep. So that was an interesting heel versus heel match. But of course, we're building Kenta to challenge and probably win the strong title. Uh, and I've said before, I think QT is underappreciated as a gatekeeper heel. He knows how to lay out a match to get the crowd on the side of the baby face. So we had Kenta sort of working de facto baby face here, which was fun to watch. And yeah, you know, maybe this might be... Uh, Sorry, I'm trying to watch the Arsenal game at the same time. (laughs) Good pressure. We've won a corner. Uh, Yeah, uh, I I wonder if Kenta is something's going to happen with Kenta and ELP and Ishimura. I'm just I'm looking at that card for New Beginning on Osaka, and I have a lot of questions. But we will preview that one next week. Uh, Main event here was the strong openweight tag team championship match with Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley, and Chris Sabin successfully defending against the challengers Rapongi Vice, Trevor Retta, and Rocky. 
Romero! Okay, no, that's wide. Close. Oh, I'm nervous. This is a big ah. game for Arsenal. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, so saving pins, uh, Rocky following the dirt bomb. So Motor City Machine Guns retain the strong open weight tag team championships. And just hearing that Rapongi Vice theme takes me right back to 2017, watching Wrestle Kingdom 11. It won't surprise anyone to know that this was a, a fantastic match. You know, probably the best strong tag team title match we've had in its short history. The creativity from Motor City Machine Guns is always a, a joy to watch. They just ooze this aura of being a tag team in complete sync where the the whole is many, many times more than the sum of his parts. And it's been quite a week for Rocky Romero between this and his killer match that he had with Volador Jr. and CMLL. So, uh, yeah, I would strongly recommend going out of your way to watch both. Strongly recommend. Get it? Yay, but um, that was <laughs> unintentional. That's all right. Well, hey, look, uh, I'm more curious about Arsenal, to be honest with you. If they, how many more games do they have to win mathematically to to claim the premiership title? We're halfway through the season. Oh God, a, a we got a long way to go, do we? Okay, it's a right. very long way to go. All right, all right. I got a little excited for you there. All right, well, listen, keep it up. You, you guys uh, are doing well, and uh, I have uh, all the faith in the world. Arsenal. All right, I need to go and watch this and pack my suitcase for my trip tomorrow. So oh, look at uh, you. let's get out of here then. Uh, Redcircle.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash J dash cast if you want to throw some money our way. And also get in touch if you can do some graphic design for our awards. Please. Discord link you can get by sending me a direct message at Cobra Kawaii and ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash super J cast for our t-shirts. Big thank you to editor Dan. You can find him on Twitter at LousyHero219. Subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling podcast network for other great shows. Give us a five-state review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at the SuperJCast. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and goodbye. Hello there, everybody. It's me, Gary Kidney, the co-host of You've Got to Be Kidding Me on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. And I am Liam Jones, my full name, and I am also a part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network as a co-host, but you've got to be kidding me. We are a TNA history podcast that covers TNA one month at a time. We cover all the drama, all the matches, all the Vince Russo nonsense you could ever want in your life. Have you, you heard of TNA? I bet you have. But would it be funnier if two people made jokes over it the whole time? Probably. So if that sounds like fun to you, check it out on this very Voices of Wrestling podcasting network, and Liam will do bits and whatnot. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.